1: Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. Sunday come up this morning. Little gray skies around this morning. Charlie's in the Farm Bureau Studios. I'm down on the farm this morning at the roving Farm Bureau Studios. And let's talk about Mississippi State's 27-17 to 17 loss last night in Lexington, Kentucky. Charlie Winfield, how you doing this morning?
0: Well, I'm here. Um, you know, one foot in front of the other, all that good stuff. It's disappointing uh, to be here in this situation. I, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, this was one of those games that was kind of a turning point on the schedule, the difference between having a big season or not. And, look, I don't want to write off the possibility that we have the potential for some big wins of our own as we still come down the stretch. We, we only lost one game, or at least we hope so, meaning this isn't this doesn't define necessarily. We've seen Mississippi State play bad before, and, come back and play well, so we certainly can play well down the stretch. But I think this one probably just punches you in the gut a little bit more, say, than the LSU game, only because at LSU, I at least thought that in the first half we played decent offensively. We missed chances, but we did put some points up. I struggle to find a time in this game, quite honestly, on either side of the ball where we played well. Even in those early Kentucky drives, you can say, "Bam, our defense held them out of the end zone. They did, but, you know, they ran 32 plays on their first three drives. It just looks like one of those games all the way around where you had a bad game. And, you know, it's a missed opportunity, but somehow, boy, a tough week to regroup too.
1: Charlie, I think that's one of the reasons that when you start talking about the emotions of – you know, of being a fan and and kind of watching this team. And, you know, if you go up there and you get beat 34-31 and somewhat of a shootout and you go up and down the field, you feel a little bit different, kind of what you just said a minute ago. But, you know, you look back at the second half against LSU, you look at this entire game, and you you just had a – I mean, it was a display of futility on, you know, at times on the offensive side, on the defensive side as well. We, we had a, a bad punt in the game. A long kickoff return brought back with a with a penalty. It was just one of those nights where everything was kind of working against you. It felt like, and you look back in that first half, or in the first quarter, you know, you're tied at three at the half, and you kind of felt lucky at that time, but because you were only you were in a tie ball game, tied at three. Uh, Kentucky had four times in the first half. They got it to our 41. They got it to our 38. They got it to our 33. They got it to our 10, and they had three points and that was it, but, you know, hey, just, you know, looking back at it, last night was one of those nights that you see in sports that you just couldn't put it together, and it was almost like, we talk about the sequential of a ball game and the sequences that you go through, I thought last night early on, you, you had penalties, you had just so many different things, that you had drop passes, it was just one of those nights where you just couldn't, you know, get off the mat even from the start.
0: It was a weird game. It felt like there was no flow at all to this football game. There was no back and forth. And I think a lot of the penalties in the first half had a lot to do with it. The, I want to say that if you know if you look at time of possession in the first half, Kentucky had it 19 minutes. We had it 11 minutes. Television commercials had it about 108 minutes. All that just really contributed to a bad flow
1: of a game. And Tim Couch added another 25. <laughs> hey, and let me tell you this. I like Tim. I like Tim Couch. I thought when he did TV, he was really good. But I don't think I've ever seen a first half of a ball game with that much face time in the booth. It was it was like the game was, was overproduced in an epic proportion in the first half.
0: You see that sometimes. Producers just try a little bit too hard. I thought last night was one of those. I like my cameras pointed towards the field, not towards the booth, but here we are. So Bart, let me say this. I, I think it would be easy for you and me and to come in here and to complain, rant, rave, and do all those things. And look, I'm a fan. There's a reason that my wife and my dogs watch games in a different room than me. So I'm not please understand when I say this. I've got all those same emotions. I think what I'd like to do today, though, is let's let's separate for a minute kind of the personnel aspect of this. That that tends to be one of the things that Twitter and the message boards and those kind of things, and candidly, let me be fair, me watching a game when I'm screaming at the TV, one of the things you tend to focus on is this guy did this, this guy did that. There's not a waiver wire. We can't make a trade here in the middle of the season It's not the NFL. Our guys are who they are. So I don't really – my suggestion anyway, Bart, would be that we don't spend a whole lot of time saying, boy, this guy's not good enough, we need better players, those kind of things, because you always want better players. Uh, But we don't have a signing day coming up. I'd like to just focus on the what we have and what do we not get from it. Is that a fair proposition?
1: Yeah, that's very fair, kind of like we used to do in the old days. You know, the first time we ever did the Monday cool down – was after Joe Moorhead's Kentucky loss four years ago. And I feel, feel very similar right now than I did uh, than I did four years ago, where you come in here, you try to sleep on it, think about it. So let me ask you the question that we used to ask ourselves. Last night when we got off the radio at 1130 midnight, whatever time it was for the postgame show, right now after having a night's sleep, Do you feel better, do you feel worse, or do you feel about the same as you did last night? All of the
0: above. Uh, What's the old line? I feel strongly both ways. There's a little bit of that in me this morning. I'm disappointed that we didn't win, but I also go and I look at these numbers and I start looking at what happened, and you say, what happened? Is this fixable? You know, it's one thing just to get beat up and down the field. That's, That's tough to fix, and we've had our time there. I felt like that last night we were our own biggest enemy. And the thing that jumps out at me most when I say that is we had six false starts on offense, self inflicted wounds and shout out to Walking Bully on Twitter by the way, who had the post last night that if you go back only two drives in that ball game were we penalty free. We scored on both those. So 13 penalties, seven on offense, six on defense. And when I say six on defense, that's six that were accepted. They also declined an offsides penalty, a pass interference penalty, a defensive holding penalty, and an unnecessary roughness call. So we weren't, we have 13 on the books, but we could have had 17. If you go back, penalties in large regard are fixable. That's what makes me I don't want to say feel better, but at least have some hope that we won't be back in
1: the spot. And of course this is Sunday coffee brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange brew with three locations. You got the one on Spring Street and Highway Twelve. That's the original on University Drive in Startwell. Of course I got churn and spoon ice cream at the original location on Spring Street and Highway Twelve. And then in Tupelo as well, we call it Brew and so we're brought to you by our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee. And like I said, I'm down on the farm this morning. And I, uh, sometimes you can go over to Woody's Inoxipater, of course, same family, the Reed family. And you can get the, uh, the grounds, the coffee grounds. And so I, I brewed a pot of coffee this morning, some of that blueberry-flavored coffee and uh, blueberry cobbler-flavored coffee. So go by and check out our friends at Strange Brew coffeehouse.com You can order the mugs, you can order the coffee, you got the pods and all that good stuff. All right, Charlie, let's look back. On Friday, we had our Tracks Plus Deep Dig, and we had three numbers. And I look back at that one and, you know, I have been given, given some grief because I've been going uh, high to low. Sometimes I've gone low to high and so I think next week I'm definitely going low to high because I started out high this week. But I started out with 50, and that was the percent of third downs that we needed to be third and four or less. I thought that was going to be big and and stay out of third down and long. We had 11 third downs last night, and only four of those we had third and short. And so we we were behind the change, especially early in the game, and – hey, the way that Kentucky was playing their defense last night and the way they kind of came after us a little bit, the last thing you need to have is third down and long situations, and it seemed like we were third and long all night.
0: And not only were we third and long, we had five third and nine or longer, and we were 0 for five. In our third and shorts, that group that you wanted us to be in, we were three for four. So you get out to the mid-range on third down – Long range on third down, we were over. And I think your number is a big part of this game.
1: Yeah, my second number was thirty, and I said we needed thirty rushes in the game last night. And boy, did I miss that one. Um looking back at the game we, uh, I said we needed 30 rushes. We rushed it 35 times last year. We rushed it 38 times last week against Arkansas. And I know a lot of that had to be was going to be dictated whether we had the lead or not in the second half. And so, just looking back at the game, rushing last night, we rushed it 10 times. We ran the ball twice in the second half. We had two rushing plays in the second half, and that was it. Some of that was because we were down. Some of it because, you know, Dylan Johnson got nicked up a little bit in the first half and was nowhere near 100%. And so Dylan only rushed the ball twice last night for 16 yards. And so the 16-yard run on the first play from scrimmage. And so he had all those yards. you receiving-wise, Dylan Johnson caught three balls for five yards, and that was it. But, uh, yeah, last night was one of those nights where we did not run the football At all, and when we did, only 2.2 yards per carry.
0: Our running backs combined for seven carries. We could have played that game four times at that pace and not hit your number.
1: Yeah, missed that one pretty good. And the uh, third number I had was six pressures of Will Levis when we were not blitzing. Last night, Will Levis dropped back 23 times, or actually he attempted 23 passes completed 17 of 23. We blitzed him six times, and that was it last night. That was a lower percentage. Teams had been blitzing him about 45% of the time. We blitzed him 29% last night. He was five for six when we blitzed him. He was really good when we blitzed him. He did throw an interception when we blitzed him, and that was at uh, pick six. But last night, non-blitz situations, he was 12 of 17. But When we did not blitz him, we pressured him four times in a game. He only had six pressures the entire night. Two when blitzed, four when not blitzed, and so we did not hit that number last night at all. Now, he didn't throw it as much as we probably thought because Chris Rodriguez was having so much success running the football, and so I said six pressures when not blitzing, and so we did not hit that number last night, had just four.
0: All right, so that's a look at your numbers Here's a look at mine. My first number was 75. I said that we needed to hold Chris Rodriguez to 75 yards rushing. He had gone for 77 against Ole Miss, a little over 100 against South Carolina. But I thought a guy that we held to 32 yards a year ago on eight carries, we got to keep him under 75. Don't let him do, you know, two and a half times what he did against us a year ago. And remember, Bart, I said, I do not want to wake up on Sunday reading about a redemption story and a guy who missed four games this year, didn't play well against us last year, who's had his struggles. Oh, boy. 30 carries, 196 yards, a career-long run of 47 yards, a couple of touchdowns. We missed that number uh, almost in triple. He was the difference in the ball game, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, our defense had 14 missed tackles last night, credited with 14 on Pro Football Focus. And Chris Rodriguez, you can attribute 11 to him running the football. Now it felt like on that touchdown run he had, we had eleven missed tackles on that one play. But he forced eleven missed tackles last night. He did such a good job at the line of scrimmage, and and then in the secondary. Because it, when he got to got to run in the second half, it was sometimes it was five yards before five seven yards before we even touched him. But he man he he ran hard. Hey, you know what he looked like? He looked like a fresh running back's what he looked like.
0: I thought there were really two issues with our defense against Rodriguez. If you look. 75 of his yards, so 75 of the 196, came after contact. On an average carry, he got two and a half yards after the first time we contacted him. So you say, oh, boy, he was kind of pushing through some tackles. But that also tells you this. And a guy in a ball game who averaged six and a half yards, he was averaging four yards a carry before he was touched. And so it wasn't – the missed tackles were huge, but you add to that when you're only getting to a guy after he's four yards down the field on average, that makes it pretty tough as well.
1: Yeah, it really does. What was your second number?
0: My second number was five. That was the number of touchdowns I thought we needed. Arguably four would have done it, but, look, we, we had one on offense, so we hedging against that number doesn't help at all. We didn't get there. And the final number I have was one. It's number of interceptions. I thought we could throw the interception we threw in this ball game was not determinative of the outcome. It was baked more into some of the other numbers. So that's a look at mine.
1: And those are the numbers we talked about uh, Friday on our Tracks Plus deep dig. Tracks Plus now with five locations: Hickory, then Starkville, Columbus, Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria at Louisiana, and now in Bessemer, Alabama, on I four fifty nine. Tracks Plus, we can get that uh, great forestry equipment, Rayco, Barco, Denny Seemoff mulching heads. Of course, they got a big selection of used equipment as well. But uh, if you're looking to move some dirt, the excavators and mini excavators from Saney, great customer service, a company that continues to grow, and uh, our good friends at Tracks Plus who brought our Tracks Plus deep dig. On Friday, of course, we talked about being in the Farm Bureau studios. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi. Great customer service as well if you're in the market for home, life, auto, whatever you need in the insurance world. Go with the guys that you know. Go with the guys that are in your community, embedded in your community, that you know and see every single day. And that's our good friends at Farm Bureau. All right, Charlie, let's look at our five plays in the game, five big plays that were not scoring plays. It kind of maybe changed the way the game was played a little bit. And do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Why don't you take us away? All right, the first one to me was on our opening drive. We got the football on our opening drive, and I don't know if I've ever seen this before, where a team has back-to-back offside penalties – to start the game. And so we moved the ball from our 25 to our 35 without running a play. But on our first play from scrimmage, Dylan Johnson rushed around the left side for 16 yards out to the 49-yard line. So he rushed for 16 yards on the first play. Let me tell you this, Charlie. Here's what's crazy. We rushed for 16 yards on the first play. Do you know how many yards we ended the first quarter with? It wasn't a
0: bunch more than 16, I'm betting.
1: No, no. It was actually less. We finished the first quarter with seven total yards. That was it. Seven yards. We had six rushing yards and one passing yard. And so we went from 16 to seven. (laughs) So we started out with our best run. Okay, so my first big play is the very next play. Will Rogers on first and 10 at the Kentucky 49. Swings it out right side. Dylan Johnson has room in front of him to run. And it was one of those plays where he's, he's reaching out and he just dropped the football. And so we go from a run of 16 to dropping the ball. And what have we done the last two weeks? You know, we've gotten off to really good starts, especially against Arkansas last week. I thought we could have gotten out to a really good start. But you you drop that pass. The next play goes for a pass of negative five to Dylan Johnson. And then you have a false start. And then all of a sudden you go from having the ball in Kentucky territory to facing a third down and 20 from your own 41. I thought that was something to just kind of put us behind the chains a little bit.
0: All right, so my first key play, second overall, is in our second possession. Kentucky, after the possession you were just talking about bogged down, takes over their 21. They pick up a first down on third and one, again, keeping it in a short situation. They've got a big play on third and 15, get a 14-yard completion, convert on a fourth and one. Kentucky's moving the ball. They have a pass complete, and they fumble. Forced by Colin Duncan. We get a break, and we get the football at our own 36-yard line. Good field position. So first and 10 at the 36, this is my key play. First play, second drive. We complete a pass up the middle to Justin Robinson. Complete it behind the line. He gets up to 35 to the 40. So here we go. You're about to be in a second down and six at the 40-yard line. You're feeling good, but we were flagged for holding. And now all of a sudden, instead of being at the 40 in a second down and six, we're back at our own 26 with a first and 20, and it effectively killed that drive from the very beginning. So for me, first play of that next drive was the biggest play because – We're coming out after the fumble. We got some momentum. We're excited. We complete a pass. We're in a good situation holding first and 20. We're not built for that, especially on the road.
1: You know what's interesting about that is Kentucky was called for a hold on their offensive side two plays before that. And so it was almost like the first half with all the flags, everybody got rabbit ears out there as the officials. That flag they threw on Jordan Davis on a hold on a running back was a joke. Now, they caught the pass and went down, and but, you know, they got rabbit ears. Second half, they only called one penalty period on Kentucky. Kentucky had, what, three holds in a game, and all three came in the first quarter?
0: Remarkable adjustment by the Kentucky offensive line to quit holding, wasn't it?
1: It was. But, hey, let me tell you this. I didn't. The officiating did not win or lose this ball game last night.
0: No, it did not. So, don't let my snide remark be interpreted as implying that officials – Dictated the outcome of that game. They didn't. I thought they destroyed the flow of the game early, but they didn't dictate the outcome.
1: I thought the the next big play for me, and I guess our third big play is Kentucky had third and nine at their eighteen on the next drive. Had third down nine from the eighteen, and Will Levis laid it up to the left side, and Dane Key made a an apparent diving catch. I thought at live ball that that did not look like a catch. And then when you went back and looked at it even further, it was not a catch. And so what does that do? It flip field position. Kentucky goes from punting from its own 18. They drive the ball out close to midfield before having to eventually punt the ball away, wrestle some field position away. But, man, that was just kind of an obvious play. And I don't know how many timeouts. Did we take any timeouts in the first half? Because, to me, we had some guys on the sideline like – Some of our staff, some of our analysts, managers, I don't know. It was was a bunch of guys over there waving off incomplete. Of course, they probably do that on every play. But I don't know what we got to do to maybe take a look at that. But uh, anyway, I thought that was big for Kentucky to get that ball out around midfield.
0: I thought that was a really big play. And if you look, we took two timeouts to the dressing room with us in the first half. This would have been a good place to have spent one. Because instead of punting away from their 18 on fourth and long, Kentucky actually ends up punting from about midfield, and actually their own 45, so near midfield, we take a fair catch at our own 13. Where are we if Kentucky is having to punt, you know, backed up inside their own 20-yard line? I think it's a very different situation, so I'm on board with you there.
1: All right, what's play number four?
0: All right, you're going to laugh at me on this one, Bart, but I want you to hear me out. We drove down the field. We score on a fourth-and-one play. Will Rogers completes the touchdown pass to Austin Williams. Extra point is good right down the middle from Biscardi. We lead 10-6. to And for a moment you thought, whew, maybe we got this thing fixed. But what you know you have to do, you need to force a three-and-out you need to at least get the ball back for your offense with a chance to play a series with a lead. So we kick off. Kentucky returns it to the 24, and here is the big play. On first and 10 from their own 24, down 10 to 6, Kentucky hands the football to Rodriguez, who we've talked about. He goes to the right side. He gains 10 yards, picks up the first down. First and 10 Kentucky at their own 34. And you say, big deal. But what do we know about coaches? What's the thing we've always heard? We're going to do it till you stop us. This was the play, I think, that just basically told – keep in mind, his last carry, Rodriguez's last carry before this had been for a loss of one. Cam Young, Nathan Pickering blow up a play. They haven't given it to him again. But they come back out, they get that 10-yard gain, and you say, why does that matter? Because they're going to stick with what works. Here's the rest of that drive. After Rodriguez for 10, Rodriguez for eight, Rodriguez for three, Rodriguez for 47, Rodriguez for two, Rodriguez for four, Rodriguez no gain, next play, Kentucky throws a touchdown pass. I thought them coming out, if he picks up one yard on that play, and now Kentucky's down ten to six, they got it second nine at their own twenty-five, different game. But when he goes for ten, and they decide, let's just get on the horse and ride him. They rode him all the way down to the three-yard line. I thought that series was the moment in the game where Kentucky just said, we're about to take this football and we're going to run it right at you, and you're not going to stop us. The first of those plays, the big one to me.
1: And here's the thing, Charlie. Kentucky did not face a third down in that drive running the ball with Rodriguez. Did not face a third down. Until they had it at our two yard line,
0: they didn't face a second down longer than six yards.
1: Yeah, and that was really that moment. And I, you know, I was actually going to think about that as a turning point because my goodness, they they wanted to establish a run. They were down ten to six, and they flipped it and took a lead in a hurry.
0: Well, let me give you one other thing. When you start to look at that particular drive for Kentucky, look at the guys who were making the tackles, Colin Duncan. Colin Duncan, DeCamry Richardson, Emmanuel Forbes, and you've got a little bit of Nathaniel Watson sprinkled in there. But when all of a sudden, when you see not only, excuse me, all of a sudden, when you see they're running the football and then you look at the guys making the tackles who are on the backside of your defense, it tells you a lot about what's happening up front too.
1: All right, what's our fifth and final big play?
0: Next time we get the football, Kentucky takes advantage, as we talked about. They score to make it 13-10. to 10. They kick off. This is the one where we have the nice return from Tulu. You're feeling pretty good. That, of course, is waved off with a penalty. And now we're back at our own 22. We complete a pass to Wally. So Wally gets involved, 30 yards, and we're out near midfield. Then we try to run the football, get a gain of three. Now we're in second and seven. We're in Kentucky territory. We're at the 45. We're trying to play with tempo, and a wide receiver commits a false start, and now our second and seven is second and 12. We complete a pass for four yards. Now we got it third and eight. You don't want to be there. That's one of your numbers. Didn't want to be in a third and eight. But before we can run that play, an offensive lineman commits a false start, and now it's third and thirteen. We end up having to punt the football on fourth and seven. We had 10 yards of penalties in the sequence. I'm going to merge these two together. The two false start penalties in the drive late in the third quarter when we're down 13 to 10, have the ball at midfield and are trying to answer goes back to the thing I said earlier in the show. I think yesterday was, look, Kentucky beat us. Don't get me wrong, but boy, we helped them. And this is a, An example of where that happened.
1: Yeah, and and going back to the point about being in third and long, if you look at our numbers throwing the football last night, we only attempted five passes that went 10 yards down the field. 10 yards down the field. Two for five in that 10 to 19 quadrant, we did not attempt a ball over 20 yards. And so we did not go down, we didn't go down the field at all last night. So 29 of our 34 in the passing department, 29 of the 34 the ball was in the air less than 10 yards. And so when you get third down and 12 and you're only attempting five balls over 10 yards, mainly because sometimes you didn't have time to do it and you didn't have guys open down the field, man, it was just a recipe. It was a gumbo for disaster last night is what it was.
0: No, and I thought every drive you look where we didn't score, we hurt ourselves with a penalty.
1: And those are our five big plays brought to you by our friends at Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, if you're in the market for a new car, a used car, their service center is outstanding. If you want to get your oil changed, needs new brake pads, whatever you need in the service center. Then the body shop, somebody bumps into you, they're looking on their cell phone, and they ram you in the back and, you need to take it to a good body shop in Starville. Go out to Cannon Ford of Starville. Chris Keen and the gang, they'll get you taken care of out at Cannon Ford. And so good customer service, not good. It's just great customer service. And those five big plays brought to you by your friends at Cannon Ford of Startville. All right, turning points, Charlie. What was, uh, what was uh, some turning points for you?
0: One of them that you have to look at, I believe, is our clock management at the end of the first half. In particular, the fourth down and eight play at the Kentucky 35. It's a three to nothing ball game. We're leading. If you'll remember, the official comes in because they were having clock troubles. And he comes in and says, reset the clock to 104. Look at the ribbon boards, not the scoreboard, all that good stuff. But he says, reset the clock to 104. The clock will start on my signal. In this situation where we're facing a fourth and eight, keeping in mind that we hadn't exactly been good on third – or fourth for that matter in long. We hadn't been having big chunk plays at all. So the fourth and eight play is a very iffy proposition in my mind, but we've got timeouts. And so my thought was on this fourth and eight play, one, I would have considered punting the football. And I said that at the time and I get it. You say, well, if it goes in the end zone, you know, you're only trading 15 yards. Okay. But if you're going to go for it, then I would have stood over that ball until there was about two on the play clock. Then I would have snapped it. And you say, but if you're thinking about scoring, you need to save, save yourself some time. That's where the two timeouts come into play. Because we snapped it quickly, we have a turnover on downs. Kentucky gets the ball 47 seconds. And, of course, they have good field position at the 35. If we were doing things over, I would love – and, by the way, we did have a false start – in that sequence on 3rd-10, which had put us in a 3rd-15, and I'll get off that topic. But the point of it being, I would have loved to have milked some clock. You know, sometimes you say with a quarterback he threw it where only his guy could catch it. I'd have run the clock like only we could have time to score. We didn't do that. I thought the field goal for Kentucky was a little bit of a turning point.
1: Yeah, we were talking about that. Uh, I think we were texting about that when when all that was going on, and when it was happening. You, hey, you know we had a bad first half. We didn't have his. I tell you, somebody else had a bad first half, and that was a clock operator. That was <laughs> man. They had all kind of things going haywire up there as far as the clock. But but you did know because the official made it pretty clear because he he looked very disgusted. Of yes, put one o four on the clock, and you just kind of wonder, you know, if you if you can melt that thing down to thirty seconds to go you know, what uh, What Kentucky's mindset or what they may try to do if, you know, 30 more seconds is run off the clock. So I'm not sure that was
0: the point where the game was lost, but I thought it was a big point in the ball game for Kentucky to put those points on the board at the very end of the first half and to uh, at least say, hey, we got something going now.
1: I thought a turning play for me is we had to pick six by Forbes. You know, we we, th- we thought the game was over. Then all of a sudden, they throw that pick, and Emmanuel goes the other way, and it's 20-17. to And now you're like, okay, hey, we're back in this thing. Kentucky had a third and four from the 43, and we were loading the box. We had like eight guys. We had like ten guys within five yards of the ball within the line of scrimmage. And so they were still running it a little bit effectively, but they had a third and four and just kept waiting. You just kept waiting for play action. And, man, Crowdus was wide open, 50 yards down to our seven. I thought that was the ultimate turning point in the game because if you get them off the field right there, you may win the football game. But giving up that big play uh, on the pass, to me, that was uh, the nail in the coffin for me.
0: I couldn't disagree with that at all. I I think that drive was the drive that decided it. That play was the play that decided the drive. Uh, I would get on board with you calling that the turning point.
1: All right, Charlie, just looking back at it, man, if you're on the defensive side, you can't look in the offensive room and say, y'all cost us a game. If you're on the offensive side, you can't look in the defensive side and say, y'all cost us a game. Special teams guys can't look at anybody and say, hey, y'all cost us a game. I mean, this was a total collective team effort. This is what we had last night.
0: Absolutely. I was on a text thread last night, and the big argument was whether the offense or defense had cost us the game. And I just said, yes, all the above. It was one of those games. We see it, both of us have had kids who have played youth baseball, youth sports, even at young ages, you have those days where the team shows up and as a coach or as a parent, you're just looking around saying, what is wrong with you guys? Last night was one of those what is wrong with you guys kind of games because the thing that – and you know, I know Mike Leach always gets mad about this when people say, well, the defense was on the field too long. Look, Kentucky doubled us up on yardage in the first half. It wasn't like they just piled on – Every, everything they did late. Now, obviously, they did a lot of big stuff late. Don't get me wrong. But we didn't get the ball back for ourselves. In the first quarter, Kentucky had it 12 minutes to our three. They did the same thing in the fourth, by the way. You can say, yeah, our defense was on the field too long. But part of the job of being a defense is getting yourself off the field. Until that interception, by the way, the Emanuel Forbes interception – Here was the length of Kentucky's drives that did not result in scores. Okay, so some of the scoring drives went faster, but there were no three and outs in the game. And in fact, 11 plays, 10 plays, 11 plays. The point of it being, even when the defense was keeping Kentucky out of the end zone early, or Kentucky keeping itself or missing field goals, what have you, They were still running plays, running up the time of possession. And so a little bit, it's on them. Now, granted, the offense was bad, too. It's not – it just goes back to exactly what you said. You, You look around, and there's a lot of blame for yesterday. Now, the good news is a lot of the things that happened to us yesterday, in particular the penalties, are fixable. You can fix that. There aren't going to be many games, I would hope, where we have six false starts. There aren't going to be many games you would hope or you're going to be flagged that many times for defensive holding or pass interference or unnecessary roughness.
1: No. And, hey, I just go back to what you talked about a minute ago, the first and the fourth quarter. The first quarter we talked about, we had seven total yards in the first quarter, had the ball just three minutes and 19 seconds. In the fourth quarter of the game yesterday, we had two minutes and 58 seconds of time of possession in the fourth quarter and only 11 total yards. So the first and the fourth quarter, we had a combined 18 yards and had the ball six minutes. Oof. That's kind of unbelievable, to be honest with you. All right, hey, nothing we can do about it. It's over now. So now we turn our attention to the Crimson Tide of the University of Alabama. Not saying I enjoyed it this morning, Charlie, but uh, we worked our way through it.
0: All right, Bart, here's what I want to ask you as as we sign off today. Here's what I want to know. When I make the statement, Kentucky, let me rephrase this: When I make the statement that we beat ourselves as much as Kentucky beat us, agree or disagree?
1: Oh yeah, I think we. I think well, this was a game that we beat ourselves. And I, hey, going back to it, I mean, I think Kentucky, I think Kentucky's better than LSU, and I know you may think that's crazy. But I just think from a power standpoint, running the – we talk about Kentucky's line, about how bad their line has been. Let's let's break that down a little bit more. Their line has been bad at pass blocking. Last night they were a pretty good run blocking team last night. And so I just think that when they're playing, when they got Levis and Rodriguez together, they were beginning to figure it out against Ole Miss in the second half had the two costly sacks. I mean the costly sacks and fumbles. I mean this is this is not a bad Kentucky football team. We didn't go on the road to Tennessee in 2008. This is not Tennessee in 2018 where we go up there and they're just not any good and we beat ourselves and lose. We got well we got beat last night by by a pretty good football team.
0: All right, so the point of my question is if we, if you believe that we, at least in part, at least in half, beat ourselves last night and the rest of it was being beaten by a pretty good team, does that give us some belief? You can't play this one over. This L is going to stick in the record books in perpetuity. But the question is, does that give you some belief that bad day today, bad day yesterday, but that going forward you've got a chance to maybe to have a better day?
1: Oh yeah. I mean if it's controllable then you can you can do something about it. And that's that's the thing. Now, at the end of the day too, you just gotta get more consistent. I mean you have to be more consistent. And you you have to uh you just can't have nights like like last night.
0: Well, I guess nights like last night lead to mornings like this one, but we'll soldier on and get through another Sunday.
1: Oh yeah. Saints get to play again today. I'm not going today. They got Joe Burr and the Bengals coming into town. And so, thanks to our great friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Favorites.com. And then the Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew If you need some mugs, some coffee, go by and see them at the three locations. Our friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford, east of Startwell on Highway 182. Tracks Plus brought you our Friday Tracks Plus deep dig. And then our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs. All right, Charlie, until the midweek, appreciate it. Enjoyed it as always. You've been listening to Sunday Coffee.